Hello and welcome to Death of a Thousand Cuts, making you an awesome writer one cut at a time. My name's Tim Clare and this is a show for writers about writing for anybody who loves words and stories and making shit up out of thin air, plucking stuff down out of the clouds and making stuff that didn't exist before. The main purpose of the show, the reason that I, I set it up, I mean, as I set it up, I you know, just started recording one day. But the reason I'm doing it, the, the aim of the show, which has been a work in progress, has been something that's developed, is to make you write more, write better and write happier. Those are the three things. It's not a show about helping you get published, although sometimes we speak, we've spoken to editors, we've spoken to uh, publicists, um, hopefully going to speak to an agent uh, in the near future. All of those things are important to me. We've talked about the book industry. I've talked spoken with New York Times best-selling authors, spoken to prize-winning authors, and I've spoken to authors who are at the beginning of their writing journey and haven't sold a copy. All of their views and experiences are equally important to me because although the career side of it is useful to know about and money allows you to buy food, as I'm sure you're aware, um, the main thing that this show is about is getting down into the the kind of more, I guess, existential questions about it. Like, why do we do this? And if we're going to do it, how can we make sure it's something that doesn't make us miserable? And how, you know, to let's set the bar a little bit higher than that limbo low, can we look at ways that we can make writing enjoyable? Can we look at ways that as writers we can thrive? Could that be our aim? Not just to get through it not just to how can I force myself to do this forced march of writing and get to the finish line so that I can say I have done a novel no I want to so today's episode is a writing ramble as you may have guessed from the nature of the opening if you've never listened to the show before hello my name's Tim Clare I'm an author um I've got a single novel out and a second one uh, at the time of recording coming out in May called uh, The Ice House. My first book's called The Honours. I've also got a non-fiction book about writing and the publishing industry and about the dreams of writing called We Can't All Be Astronauts. And I've published a collection of poetry called Pub Stuntman. Um, and I've been a performance poet and stand-up comedian for about 10 years. So look, um, the Writing Rambles episodes are, just so you know what you're getting into before you uh, keep listening... They are just episodes where I don't script it and I just talk a little bit about what's on my mind. Sometimes they take the form of a diary episode, just me talking about where I am with my own writing practice because that's really important to me that I'm sharing what it's like being a professional author, you know, or at least one viewpoint of that. Uh, sometimes uh, they're more they're more like uh, blog posts or opinion pieces that I simply haven't edited. They're just a first draft. And sometimes they're a mix of all of those things. Sometimes they're a little bulletin board update about stuff that's going on with the show. Anyway, um, I like to record uh, them now and again. One, because if I don't, I've noticed that my intros to other episodes get longer and longer as I start saying, hi, how are you doing? All of that kind of stuff. And two, because, well, I think that's probably, because no, I enjoy it. That's the other reason, because I enjoy it. Um... I'm not going to 
do dispense with a lot of the normal things that happen in an episode and it is a little bit rougher than normal so if you want a good episode to start with i suggest you listen to one of my uh first page critiques where i look at somebody's work or you listen to one of my chats with another author you know one of the many interviews i've done because this tends to be a bit looser uh, a lot looser and because of that you know i i lightly edit them if at all so you know, that's what it is. This is just something I do kind of to say hello and to be genuine. Um, but it's also just these tend to be like bonus episodes because they're kind of for me. They're a chance for me to to talk freely without worrying that I'm talking over the guest, which happens a lot, right? And um, they're just a way for me to talk about what's on my mind and get to the bottom of things and maybe develop my thinking on something alone while talking to you in an empty room and I, I just in, enjoy doing them I want to say before I get into it but like they're not necessarily the, the, the best place to jump into the podcast the podcast is not normally uh, like this so if you know if you're new here welcome um, but I wouldn't start here this is uh, this is more sort of not exactly backstage content because that sounds a bit pretentious but it's certainly not <laughs> it's, it's not always me at my best, but I like doing it and people get in touch and say they make a change and they quite enjoy them. I am going to do some more first page uh, episodes soon, by the way, because I know I've done a lot of interviews or I call it a great big bunch of them and people have been enjoying them. But I think, you know, it's time to do. And I said, I said, look, I'm going to do some more first page stuff. And people were like, yay, I like those. Great. That's great to hear. And I did one and then I started just pumping out. Uh, chats with other authors and I you know some of that is to do with me going look I, I don't want to set myself up as this kind of like I'm just you know I'm I'm still slightly hand-wringy about coming across as like I'm setting myself up as some kind of authority figure within the industry or within the um the scene and bunny quotes um I, you know, I, I want that's why I often get other people in because I, I just want you to hear other people's opinions because they're often different to mine. You know, people say, oh, I hate writing tips. Oh, I hate, we had, you know, I had Chris McCrudden saying that. We had Melissa Harrison saying that she hated writing tips and she felt it sort of cheated people out of the journey of writing. Um, you know, there's people who are, you know, I, uh, when Nikesh was on uh, a couple, he's been on a couple of times, but he talked about how he's sort of very. Uh, this is Nikesh Shukla came on and, and talked about how he really finds it difficult to give writing advice because he feels it's different for everyone, right? And if you start being too prescriptive, people start thinking they're doing it wrong. They start taking it as writing rules, and then you're in all sorts of hot water. So like, I, it's good for me. I feel like I feel like it's more honest with this show if I have people on who come and talk and say I don't think what I don't necessarily agree with what Tim's saying I think that's really useful and um I just I feel more comfortable that way because then you can go through with your like little paper bag and your little plastic scoop and you can treat the show like a pick and mix and you can take what works for you and you can experiment with different approaches and some stuff will you know instantly resonate with you some stuff won't but you can try it and you can test it and you can take all these things as hypotheses and you can see what works with your craft and what helps you and what lifts you up and what helps your your you know your writing get to the next level what helps you be happier what helps you write more and what helps you write better you know those are the three things that I'm trying to get the show to do and um 
I don't think that's something I can do on my own. So that's why I have those uh, chats. But I realise people really like me doing the first page critiques uh, because no one else is doing them and I'm pretty good at them. You know, like there aren't, there isn't really anyone doing it to the level I do it and at the quality I do it on the internet. So, and I I know that you, I'm not a very credible uh person bigging myself up there but it's just it's just kind of true isn't it like I don't think it's a it's it's a fairly niche boast but it's I'm not going to humble brag about it I, I do it well and that's why it's been popular so I will try and do some more uh so yeah let's just get into it I think the thing I was I was going to do a tweet thread about this thing tonight and I I, I thought no I'm, I feel like you know going online and just getting it out in a few tweets only a few people see it and I'll have and I thought well and then I could talk about it later on the podcast but I think actually my desire to talk talk about it will kind of been I'll have shot my wad then if I do it as a as a couple of sort of poorly phrased tweets this is what I've been thinking about and it's it's been a weird February I'm recording this towards the end of February and it's been a weird month for me my mental health in the first two weeks was not great uh, I don't, don't want to sort of dance around that awkwardly. I was having panic attacks. I was just feeling really low and my energy levels were down. Um, it's really, it was just hard because January had been pretty good. And actually in the run up to Christmas, I've been writing tons. Everything had been going very, very well. Um, and one thing that I'd done is like been working on the very, very end of uh, my second novel, doing the final like proof edits of stuff and also just recording loads of episodes of this podcast such that I wasn't actually getting to my own writing. Uh, and I think I just felt a little bit overwhelmed and a little bit run down. So I've been I've started meditating again because one of the things that if you've listened to previous episodes of this, um, you'll know that I talked about getting a wall calendar and sticking it up on your wall an actual you know with the date not on your phone an actual physical wall calendar either sticking it onto your wall with a pin or with blue tack and then marking the days that you write you're not trying to get a chain you're not trying to get like multiple you're not it's not about getting a combo because if you go for combos right if you go for combos in that and say i'm going to get like the most consecutive days that i can uh, say i've written for you know, 10 minutes or something, it doesn't matter how long. The problem with that is it's very motivating as the days build up. But as soon as something goes wrong, and it will because you're a human being living in a physical body in a world that is imperfect um, and abandoned by the gods, because life will get in the way, then what will happen is you'll have a shit day where like your train's late, you don't get home, something goes wrong, the uh, heating breaks, you are forced to deal with a series of problems which stop you or you're tired or you're ill or you're sad, you have an argument with your partner, you, uh, you know, your car breaks down, you have a, 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 a near miss with a cyclist and you're, you're shaken uh, you get flu, uh, someone's shit to you at work, you you cut yourself with a knife and have to go to A&E, and you don't get that day's 10 minutes writing done, you know, 10 minutes free write where you just set the timer, you write for 10 minutes on whatever you like, just free associating words, you don't do it, and then not only have you had a shit day, but your reward for having a shit day, this thing that is supposed to support you, your writing habit, which is supposed to is supposed to flow in and be the thing that sustains you not this onerous 
duty that is is constantly standing there like like some macabre psychopomp clutching a sand timer saying every day the moment you wake up this sand timer is ticking down and if you don't write before the sands have all trickled down to the bottom half of the glass then you have failed the day well look you have a shit day and suddenly your combo's broken as well so you are punished for having misfortune which is a horrible way to motivate yourself and then on top of that you are then actively disincentivized from restarting and trying to restart that combo that chain because the next day that you can go and write 10 minutes it's very easy to rationalize not bothering doing it because well, one day isn't uh, isn't going to make any difference because one day is only one part of the chain. If I start it tomorrow, that will still only be one day. It doesn't really. There's no great consequence once you've broken the chain from continuing to break it in lots of small ways. It actually makes it easier to not go to the page, to not pick up the pen, to not dive back in, to not treat yourself to that gnarly dive into the psychedelia of your unconscious mind and go what what am I going to come out with today that's never come out I've never seen before what two words might I put together that no human being in the history of uh, humankind and therefore these two words have never been seen together in the in all all near infinite existence of the universe these two words have never been together and i'm about to do it and you can feel them fizzing as they get closer like synapse sparks moving between them you don't frame it like that you go i've got to fucking do this before i go to bed before i'm allowed to sleep what a, what a, is it any wonder that people then go oh i've been i've got to get i've got to get back on it they say oh i haven't been writing much lately i've got to get back on it you don't have to ever get back on it you don't have to you don't have to oh, i should i oh, know i want to i want to you don't sound like you want to you don't sound like you. is it any wonder when you set it up as this thing that is associated in your head with shame and lack and punishment. Come on, now I've been suffering and I've been doing that to myself a little bit, definitely. Because I was having a good run. I'm writing this novel called um, All Goblins Must Die. I, I was just writing this voice, really got into it. And the voice is kind of like of this this goblin called Brank who writes, who talks in this like pseudo Georgian street slang and I was just like enjoying this character who swears who does you know heists on carriages who thinks that human society is absurd and and and, and, and but he's also kind of brave and I was enjoying it and then I started thinking about it a bit too much and I was showing it to people because I was like is it any good and I started I wanted to show a page to my agent because I was like but am I gonna is this gonna sell and I just started thinking about other people and not what was making me write it which was just the glorious 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 mischief of discovery of being with Brank who I love and the book might be shit but you know what? I don't care like it's it's been such a change for me to actually write something uh for me and so this is the thing I want to talk about today we've got round to the the this is great because we've got round to the the, the nub of it the nitty-gritty and by the way I might have to stop recording at any stage if my daughter is a Suki is asleep upstairs she's two now 
Um, she may wake up at some stage, in which case I will, of course, stop to tend her because it would be distracting for both of us if you could hear my daughter crying out for her father and I was ignoring her. But look, listen, um, I'll, I'll try and be as brief as I can, which is extremely long. As the It's like the old lady who um, apologised that she would have written a shorter letter, but she hadn't got the time. You know, second drafts are always going to be cut down and maybe one day I'll be able to say these thoughts quicker. But let me let me parse these down into the least nuanced take that I possibly can to get to the to get to the real nub of this. Writing for the approval of others is death. Writing for mischief. Or. To delight others is life. That, having done dozens of chats with authors now on the show, having spoken to so many writers who very, very generously talked about their craft and that sometimes about their doubts and sometimes about their difficulties uh, and sometimes about some very very sort of dark periods in their craft and their creative life and it's very difficult to really convey the depths and the and the intense loneliness of finding your writing difficult to people who don't write who i think not unreasonably see it as a a luxury problem and be like the least sympathetic problem in the world and also it's a cliche right like oh I've got right oh well right I've heard lots of writers that's what my mum always says to me she'll go oh I heard Alan Bennett talking about having writer's block I think a lot of writers suffer from that it's like yeah but it, it's like it's like <laughs> it, it's like tripping and catching impaling your nuts on an upturned bar stool and someone going oh yeah I read about that happening to someone once thing is a common injury now it doesn't stop you being in abject agony and I, I think like you know a lot of writers you know have you know, had brushes with mental health challenges I know a lot of you have because I I you know speak to listeners I probably shouldn't have used the collective you there it kind of breaks the illusion that I'm speaking to uh, one person by me suddenly talking to the collective legion multi-faced uh, beast that is all listeners every, everywhere. I do apologise. Look, it, it, it is. It is. I, I just had a shave this week after like not shaving for the entire month. That's been the state of my mental health. And I, look, I, I, I try to. I think there's, you know, and I looked dreadful up until then. And I'm not being sort of judgmental about anyone who can wear beards, uh, well. But I think there is a difference between accepting your mental illness and embracing it as an aesthetic and I was definitely doing the latter and I looked like I'd uh, been lost on the heath for uh, months uh, obviously dining well maybe I'd found a cache of crisps or something but like uh, I, I, you know it's it's not great when you're not writing in fact it's almost always symptomatic of something else you know I, I was chatting to met up with a writer at the weekend and she told me something another writer had told her which was that whenever you're working through a writer a writer's block whenever you're working through a block you're almost always it's therapy it's the, the thing that is blocking you is 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 almost always some kind of psychological problem you know it's about perfectionism it's about fear it's about 
And I used to think that was bollocks. Oh my gosh. I had such, like I've talked about this before, but I had such a douchebaggy sort of like machinist, like bro science. Like, like I was like, you just like writing is about mechanics. It's about putting words together in the right order. It's about you make the craft, you build the subroutine and then you run the subroutine. Now, I think there's elements of that that are true, uh, but sometimes, you know, there's so much of it is to do with fear and perfectionism and not wanting to, and wanting to have control over what you write, not wanting to be, to get it wrong. Writing for the approval of others is death. I can't say this enough. You want to see something that will bring... If you've ever suffered from self-doubt or you've avoided writing mysteriously procrastinated for weeks, months, one of the most calming things I've seen is watching my daughter, Suki, two years old. Uh, she said she was going to make me a birthday card. It's not my birthday. She just uh, decided that she was going to and she took um, the Valentine's card that my wife had given me and she got her crayons out and she started drawing in it and she just took each of the colours of the wax crayons and started just idly doodling in it and her concentration and absorption in the task was so it's it's very very relaxing to watch a child absorbed in a little bit of craft and she was just having a lovely absorbing time and I want to I, I want to say to you that we've got there's no reason, I understand there's differences between uh, children and adults. I understand you can't just sell, you know, you, I, I realise you've got some kind of like executive in there, some superego, some voice that's saying, but you can't sell just randomly scribbled drawings. No, you no, you can't, but, but you're putting the cart before the horse. You also can't sell nothing. Like you probably cannot sell something you do not write. You can't be judged for something you don't write. Oh, no, no. Yes, that's true. Yes, yes, you're quite right. But you cannot, if you are a perfectionist, and I, 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 I'm speaking now to those of you who, you may not even realise you're a perfectionist. You may just think you're under-motivated. Oh, I just, I'd never really get round to it. Oh, some, some perfectionists don't recognise their perfectionism. They just think they're very busy. Oh, I'm very busy. We've all got the same number of hours in a day. I know some of us, you know, we've got, some of us have got physical challenges. So there's there's some um, accessibility issues. Some people, you know, money can play a role. I'm not uh, dismissing all of those things, but I'm just saying lots of people in suboptimal circumstances manage to write something. And I bet there's lots of time that you find to do stuff that's not, entirely necessary i bet there's some gaps i bet there's 10 minutes in your day you could probably squeeze out even if it was just writing on the loop and, and what i'm saying to you is i'm not but it's not judgment because i'm i'm exactly the same but it that's a form of perfectionism you know not picking up the pen not embracing it not going i'm going to do this for pleasure for me is because what happens you know that voice in your head says why are you doing this where is this going where is this leading imagine if that was like Imagine that as a like a seduction strategy, as a date strategy. Imagine sitting down on the first date and the the first question out the gate is, where do you see this going? Where is this going between us? Like, it, it's not 
a bad subject to discuss at some point during the entire relationship, you know, but it's not, it's not a good way to start things. And that's how we start. So many of us as writers start a writing session. Where is this going? Like, is this, is this the big novel? Writing to please others is death. Um, the we so I had uh, V Schwab on uh, a couple of episodes ago, and that episode resonated with a lot of people. She talked about writing a couple of novels and then just kind of starting cheating on her novels with her, her work with like a story that was a bit like a kind of massive fuck it. I'm just gonna write. I'm gonna write something for me. I'm gonna write something. Just a, a, that was a kind of glorious creative madness. A kind of moment of going, I'm just going to, everyone's going to hate this. I'm going to write this for me. What if I did this? What if I added this? Why don't I add two? Like that thing of just absolutely embracing the thing that is for you. And it feeling subversive. And it feeling like mischief. And feeling like, oh, what's going to happen next? Now, of course... That doesn't have to be in it does you don't to to simply be reacting and rebelling against perceived norms or strictures imposed by an authority figure or an imagined audience isn't in itself liberating, right? Then then really, you know, then really you are defined by rebelling against what you imagine other people want out of you and and so you're still you're just defined by the inverse of of those imagined rules but and this is where writing for other people's delights you know like I've been I play a lot of D&D these days um, and it's just been a real education in seeing people seeing how easy it is for groups of people to create stories out of out of out of just some dice and some really diabolically badly drawn maps with sort of wipe clean pens on whiteboards or grids people create whole worlds like the scenes that i won't bore you with that my groups have been playing through in their adventures the genuinely tense standoffs that they don't have to think about. They don't go, oh, is this a good story? Their characters just do them and they speak the words of their characters. I, I, I know I sound like a kook, but it strikes, you know, I play a few characters in campaigns. I'm playing a, a sort of ex-alcoholic. Well, no, he is very alcoholic now. He's ex-alcoholic and then he wasn't and then he's back on the bottle. Um, Monk called a, water skin in one campaign and he was like my first character and now he just kind of says his own stuff I don't think about playing him I just know what he'd think and say and so scenes just come and then all the other people playing know as well so we just have conversations in character or have arguments with people in character or make decisions in character I'm playing another uh, character called Father Wellrod Derringer who's kind of like a, a sneaky halfling priest who's kind of a con man and he's only been going for a few 
episodes. So he's a bit newer to me and he's still building. You know, I talk about this when we've talked about voice, that characters take about 30,000 words to come to life before they start taking up a bit of your brain and your brain acts as if they're real. Um, But, you know, he's starting to get his own voice and changing a little bit from what I conceived him to be. And I know how he reacts now. And I just sort of speak in his voice and put on his silly voice and he comes out with stuff. Bit like being a puppeteer, right? Now, the point, what is the point of all this, Tim? Are you just going to talk about your D&D games? No, what I'm saying is those sessions are blessed by an incredible thing called nobody in the outside world gives a shit about this. You have no idea how conducive to creativity, complete and utter cultural and artistic indifference from the outside world is to one's game. All you are doing is having fun and trying to be generous with the people around the table and doing stuff yourself. You, The stories and the amazing creativity that comes out of mischief about some about people looking around players looking around and going how can i fuck this up how can i push this how can i make this interesting not in a way that's trying to spoil the game but in a way that is trying to change the world in a way that is trying to make characters act on their environment and on other characters in a way that provokes in a way that creates conflict in a way that creates movement and dynamic plot These things are in players who have never played before. I've run some like one shot sessions for people just walking into a gaming store for friends who've never played before. You would be appalled at how people who kind of like come to the table like, oh, I've never played before. Good. Sorry, you'll probably have to leave leave me through. God, I'm feeling a bit shy. from, From that, from that kind of like hand-wringing, meek lamb-like, I I just want to, you know, I just do my best, I'll just give it a try, I've always thought about trying Dungeons & Dragons, to just turning into, like, murderous bastards, immediately, like, derailing the story, fucking stuff up, like, sneaking, stealing, taking huge risks where their characters' necks are on the line. And it's, like, been 60 seconds since we started the game, and already I'm like, oh, my God, I think they're going to get themselves killed because they're, like, giving cheek to the to the goblin chief or they're, you know, they've decided to steer, try to steal the king's crown off his head while he sleeps. These... People, it it comes so naturally to us because you did you you spent years doing it as a child, right? Playing games, role playing, making up stories, just making up shit. It it is the it is a, a, it, every night when you go to bed, your brain creates narrative out of just the random bullshit that's happened in the day and it's therapy and it's how your mind processes trauma it's how you learn things it's how you reinforce lessons of the day emotional lessons these things are fundamental to human beings and I am fast amassing a pet theory having spoken to social psychologists these neuroscientists speaking to all these different researchers and I've got a new one coming up actually I spoke to a guy called Martin Lotz um, uh, who's a uh, renowned neuroscientist on his studies into um, the human brain and the brain of writers and non-writers studying them with um, uh, fMRI machines 
as they write and the differences between the brains and how writing, how the active creative writing and writing fiction actually rewires the brain activates new parts of the brain what is going on and the and how that entrains how, how writing is 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 learned and how it changes you but i'm fast create like uh, coming to to the pet theory that um that writing is a form creative writing is a form of i i i think it's a, i think it's a form of kind of like outsourced dreaming you know i feel like it is a form of manual dreaming and dream because and, and it is a way of taking these bits of our subconscious and externalizing them and kind of just doing a bit of lucid dreaming and piloting those things and that's one of the reasons i believe that it is so therapeutic and of course from talking to the uh, neuroscientist and researcher and neuroeconomist paul j zack he's talked about the incredible communal effects of storytelling and how that release of oxytocin bonds us to each other it makes us more caring it makes us more trustworthy it makes us more generous it makes it brings out so many of the compassionate human qualities that, that, that bring us together when we see stories when we experience emotional arcs within stories and so this thing that you're doing that you're that we've made into such a fucking nightmare it, or just a grind just a hassle just like just like scrubbing the mold off the grouting with a toothbrush which of course actually can be not wanting to paint myself as too sad a character but actually can be perfectly absorbing and you know quite a diverting relaxing task I've, I've learned to take some enjoyment in in housework actually you know as opposed to there's, there's one thing I've been doing this last two weeks and I didn't do it today and I felt absolutely wiped out but the, the thing I've done this last two weeks where my mental health has been much better aside from meditating aside from um, exercising is I don't allow myself my mobile phone for the first three hours of the day I don't allow myself to look at it I don't switch it on I don't check uh, my emails I don't check social media and you know I'm you know I'm aiming to go to eventually uh, shutting down shutting it down for the whole morning it doesn't serve me um, and today I just went on apps and I played games on it and uh, I, I feel wiped out it's like it's you know you you can only speak to so many people who study the brain and before you know to, to actual experts on neuroscience before you start to see how you know modern smartphones are a form of neurological terrorism um on the real estate of our brains and i know it's a popular i, I don't want to sound like a again i don't want to sound like a kook and i don't want to shame anyone who uses them i am addicted to my smartphone precisely because i have an anxiety disorder precisely because it takes me out of the moment precisely because it can distract me from intrusive thoughts i if you need it or if you just use it in a non-problematic way that is fine i'm not trying to wrestle it out of your sweaty paws i'm just saying this as a data point in a c a constellation of data points and the plural of anecdote is not data that um taking my phone away from myself while initially uncomfortable has done so much for my 
energy levels, for my mood, for my creativity, for me, and just getting away from social media a little bit. You know, our best data, I was reading a, I posted this online actually, but ironically, but like I was reading a a meta-analysis of, uh, I think like over two dozen studies on internet usage and how it co- correlates to feelings of well-being so you know self-esteem uh, optimism all those things and and by every measure our best data that we have at the moment and and you know they they, they talk about in the methodology some of the issues with you know how unconclusive studies are less likely to be published so we got that sometimes skews the data um and i'm not a, I don't have a PhD. I know my way around a related and unrelated t-test, but I'm probably, you know, don't have the level of a- a academic knowledge to fully pass psychological papers. But our best data as human beings at the moment is that across the board, on across multiple replicated studies by different teams all around the world, internet usage is inversely correlated with all the indicators of well-being and that being happy already does not insulate you against this effect as writers we've got to get away from the the false the false calm of social media of browsing youtube of, of browsing reddit of There's some discomfort to be that that can be good, you know. Like I was watching Moomins with Suki last week, and Moomin Papa was sort of was gently upbraiding Moomin Mama for packing way, 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 way too much for the adventure that they'd all decided to go on, and he. He said, well, you know, Moomin Mama, if you want to have an adventure, you've got to be prepared to rough it a little. And um, she said, yes, but it's more fun if you have coffee and pancakes. And I think that <laughs> more or less sums up perfectly my philosophy about writing, right? Some elements of the creative writing process will be you know, will involve some discomfort, like any growth does. Like a caterpillar probably uh, goes, well, I've, you know, where a caterpillar, I, as far as I can see, having read Suki, the very hungry caterpillar, and then shown her a video of a caterpillar going into its cocoon, as far as I can tell, it doesn't build a cocoon around it so much as strip off its flesh to leave this pulsating cocoon that was underneath its hairy body all the time. I mean, it's quite grotesque, actually, and, and amazing, right? But Sorry, that was, you know, the analogy doesn't quite hold, but discomfort is is part of growth. And it's not a no pain, no gain thing. It's just that, you know, so we had, you know, you've heard the Tim, Dr. Tim Pitchell episode I put out, I hope, where I talked to him about procrastination. And he said that procrastination is often diagnosed as under-regulation. We're not being disciplined enough. We're not regulating our behavior enough. And he says, no, 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 no. It is not, look what's, ha- well, look what's happening. When you procrastinate, you are doing a, di- you are diverting one behavior to another you are volun- you are voluntarily delaying doing something that you know is going to ultimately hurt you by by delaying it um as a what he called a mood repair 
You feel bad, you feel low, you feel anxious, and you go and do another thing, a distraction, whatever, to temporarily raise your mood. In reaction to that low mood, that initial bit of low mood, even though you know rationally this is going to make you feel worse in the long run. And he said, look, that, so that's what actually instead that's not under-regulation, that's misregulation. It's mis, we misregulate. And, you know, life is managed, it is not cured. And that is true for all the subsets of life, including your writing habit. I wish I could tell you that I'm going to give you some revelations and epiphanies and those are going to hit and then you are permanently going to be cured of the things that you've struggled with in your writing. That you're never going to feel doubt again. But it can be better and it can be the overall trend for your writing can be happier and I can steer you towards points of joy and I can make you less shitful to yourself and I can steer you towards with all these writers that I've spoken to and from my experience as well ways of making it a treat for yourself and gaining some of the huge benefits from writing the therapeutic benefits the ones that James W. Pennebaker talked about on the show from you you know having 50 percent fewer doctor visits it go it, it, it over 200 re, <laughs> over 200 follow-up studies showing that create writing about difficult events or trauma they don't even have to be yours they can be fictional can boosts your immune system boosts your ability to repair tissue damage i mean my god and it boosts your mood as well makes you happier and it creates new pathways in 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 the brain. Um, that, that, like it's incredible what writing can do for you. And so I think it's worth it. But I don't want you to feel there's so much out there about. And writers do it jokingly. I see it on Twitter uh, all the time, doing jokes about, oh, here's my funny six. Here's how to write a book in six parts. And it's like write a thousand words throw yourself in the bin um jump off a cliff drink all the booze and it's like oh isn't that that's a funny evocation of the despair of writing but it also normalizes being shitty to yourself and going ah oh, this is what it's like it's not doesn't have to be like that at all that is by the the, the absolute pits of how we talk about writing is this idea that endemic to the writing process is deep deep suffering you can have the kind of discomfort that comes from exercise that comes from pushing yourself that kind of beautiful burn that kind of but it is ultimately it is about expanding um the realm of environments in which you can feel comfortable that is it's it's the good burn of growth not the chronic pain of fatigue and a, you know, just a form of self-abuse at the end, you know, like you, you deserve so much better and you deserve to be happy and you deserve to get richness and joy and fulfillment and growth out of your writing. And that's something you can have control over whether whatever happens to the publishing industry, whether the, the, the public at large are a bunch of fucking rubes and farmers and don't reward you for your originality, don't like the things you like. You know, the, the, the fact is that there, you know, there is a and always will be a conservative strain within the mainstream 
it will always be harder to get people to be interested in stuff that is weird or challenging or not by white cis het middle class dudes like that i'm that, that i think for that latter one hopefully the situation is going to change i'd like to see some of that come down but with more experimental stuff and just stuff that is more difficult like inherently that is going to be harder to sell because there are fewer people who can engage with it who will have read the necessary books to get the references in the same way as if i wrote a, a book that was a you know a, a series of like dig dug parodies it's not that Dig Dug is high art. It's just that you would have had to have played the Namco game Dig Dug to, to get it. Otherwise, there's just like it's just a surreal story about like a, a blue faced dude with a bicycle pump, like which might be interesting to some people. I certainly would be interested in that. But then I like Dig Dug. So I'm not you know, I understand. I understand, you know, the motivations of Puka and Figar. Um and, and 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 I get the kind of like the incipient threat of of boulders and and loose ground. Other people who haven't uh, played Dig Dug would that would go totally over their heads. And it doesn't make me superior to them. It's just you know, Dig Dug is always going to be a. Uh, uh, it's never going to be a number one bestseller, is it? Um, I don't really have a book about Dig Dug. I'm just you know, I'm just saying. So. But what you can always have control over is it is making writing serve you, and finding ways in which you can be kinder and to yourself, and that writing can spur growth. And this isn't just writing for therapy. You know, you can make it a practice about your building your own sense of mastery, your sense of craft. And who knows, you might find an audience for it and you might find a huge audience for it. And books that don't find huge audiences can still be, you know, viable and they can still make you enough money to live off even. You know, and there are, you know, arts organisations and there are writers residencies. There are ecosystems for all different levels of uh, art and writing and often in those slightly more um, niche genres or areas of the arts the people who are there are all the more grateful and all the more engaged for the fact this thing is rare so you can have all that it's so important that you don't think that part and parcel of that is you being an absolute beast to yourself you being lonely you're suffering because probably what will happen actually the way that will break is you just won't do it because why would you why would you? Why would you put? Because because at the end of that rainbow there is not a pot of gold. You don't get to the end and oh, hopefully there'll be my self worth will be at the end of this book. It's not there. I'm fucking telling you now. It is not there. It's not there. You won't get happy. This is why people have a you know. V. Schwab talked about the sophomore slump. You get into that second book. I know so many writers. I talk about this almost every episode. Second book, ugh. and that's because it's something I've just been through. But you know, part of that is. Oh, when I finally get published and people like it, I'm going to finally like myself. Nope. <laughs> and then what the fuck do you do? Then what the fuck do you do? You get to the end and you go, I, but I, I've been spending my whole life trying to do this because then I thought I'd be okay with myself. And I wouldn't want to like, I wouldn't hate myself. I wouldn't think I'm worthless. I wouldn't have that hollowness inside me. Well, it's a tough fucking titties. It's, it's not changed. Now what do you do? 
No, that's you're just like flung out into the existential void. You just like someone's opened the fucking uh, escape hatch, and you've just gone out into the troposphere, right? What the fuck do you do now? <laughs> Whoa, shit! Oh my god, I got no idea who I am, right? And I don't want you to go through that because some of you listening to this, you are going to get published. You're going to have books out, and I'm I'm handing. I'm sending dispatches from further up the track. Fucking hell, folks. You've got to love yourselves. Writing for the approval of others is death. Writing for mischief or to delight others is life. Writing to delight yourself is life. It is joy. It is everything you could ever want my god i've just set up a tread desk in my room um i've got like a little stepper and i put it next to my filing cabinet it turns out it's exactly right right height for me to stand and pss, 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 step 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 and write at the same time it keeps me awake while i write um i'm still you know got some teething problems because i've got flat feet and my feet went a bit pins and needlesy the other day but um it, you know it's getting there i managed to you know i've done about three hours of of step writing on it uh, over two days and it was good it was good and it's good for my health and it keeps my brain working but during that I just had a moment where suddenly I was just slamming words together being silly with my language just playing about and just like pushing it that little bit extra and like because I've been meditating I was a bit more cognizant of my brain states and I thought oh oh I'm enjoying this I think this is I think this is cool I'm doing this for me and all the motivation flooded back in. And, you know, I'm I'm loath to quote uh, or even paraphrase Dorothea Brand after finding out that she was a prominent fascist in the 1930s. But in her 1936 book, Becoming a Writer, which does has, have some wisdom, um, <laughs> none of it, I think, inherently ties to uh, fascist creed. Um, <laughs> she talks about how the, the idea that basically if you don't attend to the psychological blocks... If you don't get yourself writing, then all the craft advice in the world isn't going to do any good because you you can't edit what doesn't exist. So what I'm you know what I'm getting at is you I think finding the joy in these things. I, I see what writers talking about. Got to just get to the end of the first draft. Just got to get to the end of the draft. Making it like a fucking you just they just sound like Napoleon marching his army towards Russia and then back again and them all die, dying of gangrene and illness and freezing to death and dropping around him like flies it's 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 absolutely grim the way some of you motherfuckers are trying to write why why do that to yourself writing for the approval of others is death writing for mischief or to delight is life One thing I, I want you to do for yourself is just start doing some of these pissabouts. Like, like I, I'm not going to do any adverts on this show or saying things you should do, but just to remind you, I will put a link in the show notes to my weekly writing workout. I just put out a 10-minute writing exercise every Friday. It's a new, each one's a new one. Uh, I come up with new ones every week. Um, and they're just fun. And they're focused, but they're often quite sort of light-hearted although they can produce, so they, I know because some people have 
sent me. Um, they they produce some quite dark pieces of writing sometimes. But the thing about them is they just let you have an easy win each week. If you are feeling down about your writing at the moment, I'm reaching out to you now. And I want to say to you, listen, get your mobile phone or an egg timer or whatever, set it for 10 minutes and do yourself a 10 minute free write and write about whatever you want or need to for that 10 minutes. Just let the words flow. Almost this kind of slightly relaxed. It's kind of like sort of like slightly unfocusing your brain. Uh, and, 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 and more, I guess, in the mode of kind of automatic writing. Uh, you're just kind of like you allowing the words to kind of flow through you. And then it sounds pretentious, but it's not because you're the words that might be flowing through you are like bargle, fargle, cabbage. That's fine. I just need you to start giving the message to your creative mind that it is okay to come up with ideas. Because you have probably done a lot of work to tell it that it's not okay. And if you are currently writing a novel, if you are on deadline, this applies treble to you. You, you motherfuckers out there like fucking writing novels thinking that you don't need to do any training anymore. That you don't need to keep match fit. That you can just like just you can just force you can just do this on fumes you're killing yourself you're killing your work you need you need you need to have fun i know it's i know it scares you if i say have fun you say no that's luxury oh maybe the kind of like idle rich can do that not me you have to i can't give you any i can't give you any advice on career i just can't i i i, I don't I don't, frankly, I don't fucking care. We are alive for such a sliver of time. And if we cannot enjoy it and we cannot add something back to the universe, and this is what I want to finish on, actually. Uh, and I've you mentioned it in a previous episode, but there's, I've heard like a, a lot of, um, I've gone to, uh, I've practiced meditation at Zen centers and uh, Buddhist centers and uh, listened to a lot of Dharma talks and, I really like the way in Buddhism. Um, sometimes I can't. I can't. I can't remember. I think it's probably Mahayana Buddhism that they do it. But where, when they do a meditation, um, they dedicate the merit of the meditation to other people, or they dedicate the merit of the meditation to you know, people who need it sometimes, monks, I think, like, dedicated to, like, hungry ghosts, to, to people who are, you know, trapped in the Buddhist hells or whatever. Well, this idea that you dead, that any merit, any good, any, it's not really good karma. Karma's always bad or negative. It's something you accrue. Um, but any, so the opposite of, like, good karma is merit, basically. But any merit that's accrued, any good karma that's accrued from doing this meditation, instead of going to the people that are meditating, it will be passed on to other people who need it. It's like being paid into this communal pot, this great communal pot of merit and goodwill. I think it's this is just an experiment. Just I wonder if you want to try it for one or two sessions. Consciously at the beginning of your session, you could even say it out loud, you could write it down. Thinking of someone or something 
to dedicate because we write we we dedicate books right i've just sent my book off and this is why this is on my mind i've dedicated it to suki my daughter i've dedicated the whole you I, the whole book is not not for me it's for suki and the one before was for, uh, was for my grandmother for Romy, and the one before that was for my was for Maggie, my my uh, agent who passed away, and um, those books aren't you know they're not for me. They're for those people. They're they're there. You you f- you finish the book, and I think there's something quite you know sacred and something kind of spiritual. I'm not <laughs> I'm not a spiritual person, but about saying this is you know this is their book now. This is for them. That's what how I feel about it. A dedication is you're you're giving it away and you're giving you're passing on the merit to somebody else of all that effort. I think we need to do more dedications. I I wonder what would happen. I wonder how it would change your perception of a writing session if you sit down and you're like, this isn't for me. And you say, I you know, I dedicate this writing session to I dedicate the merit of this writing session to I don't know who maybe another writer that you know who's been struggling maybe to a mum your mum or dad or nan or auntie or uncle who you know has always wanted to create stuff but has never got to do it maybe I dedicate the merit of this writing session to and you sit down to write for 10 minutes you you think about people who are you know, lonely somewhere who don't have anyone to talk to and you dedicate it to them. I mean, I know it sounds horribly, it could it could be horribly pretentious immediately with throwing up all these things. Who does it harm to do that? Who does it harm to do that? Nobody, right? And yet I'm immediately going, oh, does it sound pretentious to go, I dedicate this to the people? Of course, it's not a substitute for actually going and speaking to people. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is, could you just d- dedicate it to writers in the world? Could you dedicate it to humanity? You, oh, doesn't that sound self-important? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Self-important would be, I'm doing this for me because I need it for my career. Well, look, I'm, you know, for what it's worth, my next three or so writing sessions, I'm going to experiment with this. I'm going to try dedicating it to... I'll do what I'll do one to you, folks. I'll do one. I'll dedicate my next writing session to the listeners of this show. Um, you you know, and it's not an act of altruism to see whether it improves my writing, but I wonder whether that just rests us away a little bit in the way that the idea, the concept of the muse, um, I think has helped writers sort of distance themselves from being too responsible for what comes out. Um, I just wonder whether it will help, uh, it helps sort of loosen something, shift something and stop us clinging on to stuff and saying, this is mine, this is me. I appreciate and I'm very grateful for you for listening. Um, I love talking to you. I love sharing this craft that we do together. And if you haven't been writing recently, I just want you to know that whenever you are ready, your writing craft is going to wait for you like a book on a high shelf. And all you have to do is reach up and take it down. And you just ask yourself, why didn't I do this earlier? 
Have a lovely, lovely week.